everyone. I'm Jensine Bard, and welcome to Testimony, where truth is told, lives are changed, and hope is given. Revelation 12:11 tells us that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony, a testimony of your story for His glory. In a surprise attack, October 7, 2023, the land of Israel and its people were brutally attacked and massacred by Hamas terrorists from Gaza, killing, raping, torturing, and abducting men, women, children, the elderly, disabled, and even babies whose heads were severed, leaving little doubt as to the unimaginable evil this sadistic regime was and is capable of. But why? Innocent families were dragged from their homes, shot in their beds, and paraded through the streets, humiliated, and are now hostages in waiting in a war that is raging between Israel, Hamas, and now Hezbollah, and all Iranian-backed and funded. Again, why? In the U.S., some are not just watching. They are actively protesting, chanting, quote, death to Israel, free Palestine, and all designed to sympathize with the terrorist while further denouncing and terrorizing the victim, Israel. Again, why? And why, years later, would a woman of Sephardic Jewish heritage be called by God to, quote, answer for the, quote, ashes of the unmarked graves from the death camps of Auschwitz, Treblinka, and others, with a message to the nations before it's too late? In a book she would release August 7th, 2023, just two months to the day of the horror that would begin. Here to talk about this and more from her home in Jerusalem with an exclusive wartime update and answers from her latest sobering read, The Voice of These Ashes, Restitution or Judgment, is its author, founder and president of United Nations for Israel, and so much more as you will soon hear. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Dr. and Archbishop Dominique Behrman. Archbishop Behrman, Dominique, if I may, welcome back to Testimony. Thank you so much, Jensine, and thank you for this time here in the midst of a, a boiling pot, literally. Yes, yes. Uh, first of all, uh, I cannot tell you how grieved all of us in America are at the horrific unprovoked slaughter of your people, which media is calling Israel's 9-11 only worse, and not only that, but atrocities that rival the Holocaust, which you speak about in your latest must-read, The Voices of These Ashes, which I could not put down, read the entire book in one sitting. But before we get in, to your sobering and riveting read. Can you share with our listeners how you were doing, 
what you are seeing and how you are helping so we can help you, your organization, United Nations for Israel dot O-R-G, Archbishop Behrman. Yes, and thank you so much. Um, um, I'm just going to try to give you an update. There's so much that has happened since the 7th of October. In fact, we were here in Israel with our group from the United Nations for Israel, about 90 people that were together on tour of Israel throughout the Feast of Sukkot, the Feast of Tabernacle. And um, the last couple of days of our tour ended up in the middle of the war. And so the 7th of October, uh, we began to have those sirens and go down to the basement and to the different bomb shelters of the hotel where we were. And we, we didn't know what had happened yet. We just knew that there was something serious that had happened. And we just were praising and praying and blowing shofars and, you know, believing for God's victory in the midst of it. And then the reports began to come in. And there were some horrendous reports. The reports were so shocking that it, like, it, it had a nation traumatized uh, from north to south and east to west, believers, non-believers. It doesn't matter who you are. Nobody could stay cold or even neutral in the midst of what had happened. Uh, it, it looked like a surprise attack. But to be honest with you, for some of us that have been seen from afar and prophetically looking, we saw that something was about to happen in Israel very serious to shake off um, what I would call unbiblical politics from the land. Uh, it's been going for a long, long time. Um, the unbiblical politics is always espousing a two-state solution and things like that, and giving more and more and more and more to our enemies, thinking that if we're just nicer, better, then, then they're going to be nice uh, to us. But the thing is that we're dealing with a completely different mentality. We are dealing with something so brutal that uh, sometimes it even makes some of those, uh, you know, uh, tremendous brutalities of the Nazis even pale. But the thing is that uh, for the most part, and we need to understand that, you know, what's been happening here is connected with a visit from the Grand Mufti of Jerusalem in 1942. That's, of course, a Muslim personality at the Grand Mufti of Jerusalem. At that time, and he visited Hitler in Berlin. And during that visit, they accorded to raise up a Palestinian cause and a Palestinian army for the purpose of executing the final solution within Israel. And that's the reason why uh, the whole root of this uh, that ended up in Hamas, it doesn't start there. It starts with the Mufti and with Hitler. And what we saw is exactly that. Now, what, you know, this thing is so shaking, but so seriously shaking that, um, you know, there's going to be a Memorial Day in Israel only for this one, because it's so shaking, like the Holocaust Memorial, like that kind of thing, it's going to be this kind of memorial. There is absolutely no family, no person, I believe, that lives in this land that has been untouched by it. I personally, you know, have had to go to uh, both um, uh, burials and and, and uh, sitting for the dead, which is called Shiva, the seven days of sitting for the dead, um, you know, to comfort the people and the bereaved. Um, and so we were left here in Israel when, of course, all the flights canceled. And we were left in Israel. Some of our people were left as well. Until the 22nd, we were, some of us, going throughout the land, and we thought, what can we do to help? We saw ourselves in the situation where 
thousands and at this point hundreds of thousands of evacuees from uh, the Gaza border, uh, Israelis, Jews that are shaken, that are traumatized, that the houses were destroyed, that their babies were beheaded, that some of them, their family members are still in captivity uh, of Hamas. At this point, uh, we received the new number is 224 uh, in captivity in Hamas. And we began to, to see the situation in the country where everybody was shaken, traumatized, and yet people immediately were recruited personally. They recruited themselves to help throughout the land. I've never seen you know, such a cohesiveness within the land of Israel, such unity where everybody is trying to help. The soldiers began to receive packages after packages uh, because everybody was blasted. I mean, when I'm saying everybody was up, I'm talking about 300,000 reserve troops were drafted. Israel is a small country. And that means all of our sons and, and, and fathers. And, and uh, you know, and I have myself, for example, the husband of my niece drafted, uh, my own nephew drafted, uh, the, the person that built us uh, a very special praise tabernacle in Israel just finished it, Sukkah, at the gate of Israel, where Joshua met the angel of God right at the crossing of the tribe, drafted. The families left alone, the women left alone, the children, little children. And then on top of it, those that are left alone evacuated, evacuated from their homes, having to leave everything after the massacre and after the shaking thing that it's still hard to digest. The whole society came together to help. And so we saw ourselves in the midst of that. And we thought, what can we do as the United Nations for Israel? I mean, the need is so huge. And so uh, one of the Messianic brothers here gave me an idea. And the idea was that what we could do and immediately help with is to get and to buy these uh, vouchers that are for, for food, essentials, clothing, everything. It's like an all-encompassing voucher that can get the people outfitted with anything that they do not have. During this time, they lost their livelihood. Most of the communities in the South, those communities are uh, agricultural and they cannot work their land, they don't have anything coming in, and they find themselves now in hotels throughout Jerusalem, the Dead Sea, Eilat, uh, and, and even the, the center of Israel, uh, just completely displaced, and, and they have to even you know, get stuff for their children. So these vouchers have become such a blessing in the land. We Today we have adopted at least two communities. We have one full community that has 300 families that we have been feeding them and helping them. When I'm saying, you know, it's helping them, outfitting them with everything that they need through these vouchers. And they need more. And then another community and another family, people that have lost people. I'm talking about people that many of their, their, their communities were murdered. And they themselves experienced the infiltration of these terrorists that were so totally and absolutely brutal. And, and I, so first we are concentrating on that kind of a help, you know, practical help. When we bring the vouchers and when we tell them how much, you know, we love them. And the United Nations for Israel is comprised of believers from so many nations that are coming to bless them. I tell you, people weep and pe people feel so touched. People feel like, wow, you know, that the, the nations have not forgotten us. There are some good people in the nations that love us. And, and for me, most of them, and we're dealing actually with many communities that are Jewish Orthodox communities, Zionist Jewish Orthodox communities, where we've had projects like planting and sowing and building and helping them 
in their own settlement as the United Nations for Israel, our contact. And when they realize the kind of unconditional love that is coming from believers in the Messiah, in the nations, they absolutely are shaken in another way, in a good way. You know, like, uh, well, you know, praise God, somebody loves us. And especially the religious ones, because they're not used to this. They're absolutely, this is a notion that doesn't come to their mind. It could there be that there are people in the nations, the Christians, Messianic, and that, that actually love us. And I'm going to tell you something, that's definitely connected to my book, The Voice of the Gashik. Quick question, Archbishop uh, Domenike Behrman from Jerusalem, Israel, as we speak, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Practically speaking, you're talking about vouchers. Would the listener contribute to your organization, United Nations um, for Israel.org, and then you produce these vouchers that can be used uh, for anything, for food, clothing, water, supplies? How practically does that work out? Very well. It's been working fabulous since the war started. So we've been at it already for two weeks at least. Uh, and yes, people donate. Uh, each voucher costs $70. You know, it's it, it kind of it's in shekels, but it equals almost about $70 U.S. Um, and when people donate and people have donated, praise God, we've been able to, find, to really feed, as I said, hundreds of families. Uh, not only feed, I'm talking about outfits, clothes, whatever they would need, hundreds of families. And it's, it's working very practically because we have the contact directly with the people. You see, we have no middleman. And that's very important. And I'm, I'm going to explain why. Because when you have a middleman and it's a very, 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 very large organization, things get lost in the, in, in, in many other things that the overhead, you know, overhead. Here, it's not going to overhead. Here, it's going directly to the people because we are connected with the leaders of the communities. We are connected with people that we know and that we've been in touch with as the United Nations for Israel, planting, sowing, helping build, you know, helping the settlers and things like that. So because of that, then uh, it's become extremely effective and they are ecstatic every time that they receive our vouchers. In fact, uh, you know, we thought that we only adopted two communities, but the truth is that we went to Zerot, which is the city that has been recently evacuated. I'd say a city of heroes. That city has a bunker and in, in a kind of like a bomb shelter in every bus stop. So I'm talking about a place that has been under rockets for a long, long time since the disengagement of Gaza. And when we arrived there, yeah. 34,000 of the people had been evacuated. There was only about 5,000 left and 2,000 soldiers in it. And when they knew we were in town, it was so, so supernatural. When they knew we were in town, they immediately gave us an SOS call. We do not have supplies. I mean, for the soldiers, and I mean for the ones that are left in the city. I mean, who is left in the city? And there's even 100-year-old women there, like the Russian Jews that made Aliyah, that are left in the city, and all kinds of elderly people that cannot move, and others that have been left in the city to be able to volunteer and to help and even to assist the soldiers. And you know what? I'd given all of our vouchers literally like a, a, a day earlier. I've gotten, you know, rid of, not gotten rid, but distributed all the vouchers. But I felt to leave just a few, just in case for an SOS, <laughs> because until they produce more vouchers and until more money comes in, you know, I'm just, just going to use whatever I have. And I'll tell you, when I came, I said, I've got like, at this point, it was like a $1,000 worth of vouchers, which is very little, you know, comparing with the need. 
But I said, I've got this left. I don't have any more. She said, thank you so much. We need it urgently, desperately. And they immediately got it. And they could use it right away. So the truth is that it's working very well. And it is uh, really impacting the people. Praise God. Praise Yeshua. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to Archbishop Domeneke Behrman, founder of United Nations for Israel org boots on the ground helping in the crisis in the war in our jewish brethren's greatest time of need okay archbishop let's get right into your wonderful read unless you have something else to share which you said you did yeah i do and, and i would like to share this part as well because we need to realize that right now israel is fighting in many many fronts we we think about the southern you know, border with Gaza. But the truth is that the northern border is extremely hot. They've evacuated all of the communities that are border communities from there too. And they're flooding all of the hotels. There's no more hotel rooms in Israel to even put the people. Uh, and so, but the thing is that there's one more uh, area that that is very serious, very hot and very dangerous. And that is Samaria. There's a lot of Jewish settlements right there that have up Absolutely no protection. I'm talking about they drafted the men. They've gone to the war. They left these communities unprotected, surrounded with Arabs. Then imagine that one particular village over there received a prize from Hamas for being so hostile against, against Israel. And they and they are surrounded. They have no walls, no protection. And they are not even outfitted in their emergency squad. And because there is no men, you know, most of the men have been drafted. Those that were not drafted are not a fighting age or, or whatever. Uh, then teenagers are guarding these villages. Can you imagine that? Teenagers, they have to go around with rifles and things, guarding in posts. And they, again, do not have vests to protect themselves. They, they, the government has not provided them with anything, not even with observation, uh, you know, to be able to put like uh, intelligence uh points so, so that you know if there will be an infiltration of terrorists and those places have seen murders and they've seen terrorists coming in and they've seen rocks not. in fact it's, it's all this area all the way to the jordan valley which is in jericho i myself and i have a video there in in youtube i have a video that i put there of how we were going to pray in the ancient synagogue in jericho for example and we were attacked so seriously that they received us with Molotov cocktails. They threw rocks at us. They threw bullets. And then on top of it, they lit up all of these tires. And they were uh, trying to burn us alive inside of the bus. What the Hamas did to the people in Gaza was to burn them alive inside of the, uh, the bomb shelters. Well, they tried to do that to us inside of the armored bus that we had. And that was right before Yom Kippur. I'm talking about, you know, just just a few weeks before all this starts. Right. And um, and 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 uh, we were when inside there were many religious Orthodox Jews, uh, and and um, uh, there were five believers in Messiah in there. We were praying, and I tell you, it was a miracle of miracles. The driver couldn't go to the ring of fire, and all of a sudden it was like the bus lit up and just went through the ring of fire, and we got out of there. Uh, but honestly, the purpose was to burn us alive. So even in Samaria, the Jordan Valley, and all of these communities, uh, they are in their need for help. And the help that they need is to be able to defend themselves, to protect themselves, whether it is vests, anti-bullet vests, whether it is all kinds of ways to have uh, intelligence or whatever into the communities 
And uh, we decided to also start that project. In other words, we're going to help. Uh, we are now connected with one particular community that I went to visit today. That's why I was pretty exhausted before I started here. But I see the Holy Spirit, the anointing is flowing. Um, but we went to that community because I have a niece there with two little babies, okay? And and so we went there to see what do they need. And we saw it firsthand. And we have started also to donate to that effect as well. So just I wanted everybody to know that Israel is not only fighting one front. We're fighting also even the Elat front, the receiver, the Hutus, you know, sent all these missiles that wanted to destroy all the area of the hotels where the evacuees from Gaza are. So we have that one. We have the southern front, Gaza. We have the northern front uh, with Lebanon and Hezbollah. And we've got the, um, uh, the Samaria and Jordan Valley area with a lot of Hamas and a lot of Palestinians that would like to see us dead. And then we have the front in Eilat. Honestly, it's like the whole of Israel right now is fighting a Red Sea. And uh, we know what happens at the time is, you know, the Lord will fight for you and you will hold your peace. I know that God, the God of Israel, is fighting for us already. And out of it will come a tremendous salvation, deliverance, and the whole redemption of this nation. I have no doubt about it. But right now, boots on the ground, we need the help of all of our brothers and sisters, believers in the nations to come on board and to help in this situation. And this is definitely an option, a possibility, an opportunity to make restitution for what was not done during the Holocaust. Amen and amen. Ladies and gentlemen, again, you're listening to Archbishop Domenike Behrman, founder of United Nations for Israel. .org, whose boots on the ground efforts as we speak are literally saving lives at the risk of her own and her team and her family. Um, I was struck by the fact your book was released on Amazon August 7th, 2023, just two months prior to the day, a yeah. day that will live in infamy, October 7th. 2023. It's as if God knew that answers would be needed for the questions we are all asking. One, how could such a failure of intelligence, the breaching of Israel's border on the Sabbath and 50 years almost to the day of Yom Kippur and the ending of Sukkot, Feast of Tabernacles, happen? And why would God allow the quote, never again, of 1941 to 1945, otherwise known as the Holocaust to happen again. Uh, Archbishop Behrman, your thoughts and how you bring that in to your latest must-read, The Voice of These Ashes. Uh, thank you, Jensen. Yeah, well, first of all, we need to realize something is that Things have not changed that much from the Second World War. Um, and as usual, you know, when there are doctrines of men and religions uh, that are contrary to the Bible, it brings about first and foremost hatred for the Jewish people. And the reason is because if, if the Satan manages to destroy the Jewish people, there will be no return of Messiah because the Bible tells us clearly that it is here that there has to be a welcoming party when he puts his feet in the mount, on the Mount of Olives and say, Baruch Abba, B'Shem Adonai. You know, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. And so Satan is bent on destroying the Jewish nation from the beginning. Now we need to realize that the Jewish people, like 
all the other people of the world, you know, are as, as simple as a lot of the other people of the world. And so when we ask for answers about why is this happening, why is this happening, uh, we could say, well, it's because of the sin of the Jewish people. We could say that the same at the time of the Shoah, the time of the Nazi Holocaust, the sin of the Jewish people. The sin of, but there is not only the sin of the Jewish people. The Bible tells us that God was a little angry. He says even that in Zechariah chapter 1. He says, I was a little angry with you, but the nations furthered the calamity. And that's exactly what happens every time. God does deal with Israel. And he deals with us because we're his firstborn. We are actually, you know, what I would call the chief sheep nation. That out of it will come many other sheep nations. And hopefully that America will be one of them. Um, but the point is that in, in spite of all of that, we know that the God of Israel has promised that Israel will live, and not only live, but thrive, but not only thrive, but actually possess the entire land from uh, the river in Egypt all the way to the Euphrates, as he promised in Psalms 105, for 1,000 generations. And so anything that the nations do or don't do concerning Israel will affect the nation. And that's the point of acts of restitution and also restitution or judgment or what the voice of these ashes have to say. Uh, I also need to explain something here when I say the voice of disaster. It's not even the voices of disaster. It's the voice of disaster. God chose me for a very particular task. And, you know, when he chooses, he chooses people for a particular task. And honestly, that's not one I was looking for. But I remember when I was in Auschwitz and he visited me with this task, telling me that I'm going to be the voice of disaster. At that time, Jensen, as shocking as this may sound, what I'm going to tell you, at that time, I didn't even know that I had lots of family members, personal family members, burned to ashes in Auschwitz, in Treblinka, and who knows what other places. It took me until 2018 to discover an entire memorial wall in Thessaloniki, Greece, where all the names of my family members were there, and I broke it into weeping because I realized, oh my goodness, I thought I was Sephardic, uh, which I am, Sephardic, which means Spanish, you know, from uh, the Spanish Jewish. Right. So we suffered the Spanish Inquisition. My family was expelled out of Spain. We suffered untold amount of woes in the name of Christianity, in the name of Jesus Christ. But I never knew that I actually had people in those ashes personally. And so when he comes to me and he says, you're going to be the voice of these ashes, I was absolutely astounded because what can you say if you're the voice of disaster? What is the voice crying from the ground? Just like at the time of uh, Cain and Abel. Cain, where is your brother Abel? His blood is calling to me from the ground. And the most shocking thing of the whole thing is that, unfortunately, no Christian denomination and no Christian organization rose up to help the Jewish people at the time of the Shoah, the Nazi Holocaust. I call it the Shoah, means utter devastation. Holocaust is like a, a, a sacrifice of pleasing aroma. So I, I don't, I don't believe it was pleasing to the Lord to have that that coming out of the chimneys of Auschwitz. So I call it the Shoah, the after devastation, the way we call it in Israel. And I, I can tell you that that no Christian denomination rose up. In fact, all of the Christian uh, pastors and and leaders in Germany gave the right hand of fellowship to Hitler. All of that because of replacement theology and theologies that have actually caused poisoning within the church and the curse to the nation. And though this particular massacre that has happened right now is by Islam and by uh, Hamas and Islamic Jihad and whatnot, 
we need to understand that now, now the church has a great opportunity to do what it didn't do at the time of the Holocaust, at the time of the Shoah. A great opportunity to make restitution for the sin of the ancestors, overturning judgments in nations even, if we do this right at this point. Ladies and gentlemen, again, you're listening to Archbishop Domenike Behrman, founder of United Nations for Israel. .org, called to bring revival and healing to the nations and has been to over 50 nations. Um, Archbishop, that leads me into my next question, and we are out of time for this segment, but uh, let's get in as much as we can, as long as you can. Uh, you've been really through it lately, and I appreciate and thank you so much for coming on the program today. With regard to replacement theology, you speak about Martin Luther in your book, who led the reformation of the Catholic Church when filthy lucre was the goal rather than souls, and one salvation could be bought, or so they thought. Martin Luther put a stop to that, and that was good. But then, years later, Luther went, quote, mad, some might say, castigating Jews in now infamous writings, and for that, his legacy has been severely diminished. That said, talk about the influence on the church as a professing Christian and just how his stance on God's chosen quickly turned them into God's despised. And that's putting it kindly. And that, I would say, is propagating a lot of what we see in the U.S. and around the world today, pro-Palestinian efforts pro-terrorism versus pro-victim. Can you speak to this? Absolutely. Well, in fact, um, Martin Luther has had a profound effect on the church worldwide. Uh, today, more and more people know what you just said, but a lot of people do not know what you just said. But what happened with Martin Luther is it doesn't matter how you start. The point is how do you end? And that's why from the beginning, Yeshua said to us, he that overcomes unto the end, he will be saved. He that overcomes unto the end, he will receive the crown of life. In the case of Martin Luther, he was chosen. For sure he was chosen. He was chosen to restore. He was chosen to restore the gospel that had been hijacked. But unfortunately, he still had a lot of those replacement theologies coming from the Catholic Church, still inside of him. And, and especially about the Jews, even though at the beginning he tried to reach out to the Jews to evangelize them. And, but understand this, we're talking about the 16th century. So, in other words, we've had already 15 centuries at least, or at least, you know, since, uh, since Constantine, uh, we will give a little discount here. Since the time of Constantine, what I call the divorce from the Jewish roots and Yeshua, the Jewish Messiah, that affected the church completely, changed the pagan feast instead of biblical feast and things like that. Let's say from the 4th century until the 16th century, we have then 12 centuries of hatred against the Jews, of abducting children from Jewish homes, and, and, and terrible atrocities, including the Spanish Inquisition, uh, and including uh, the, the Crusades, uh, where those Crusaders came in the name of Jesus Christ and burned entire population of Jewish people alive inside of the old city of Jerusalem. And here you come to the Jewish people and you say, Sam, you need to be saved by Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ loves you. First of all, they could not recognize the Jewish Messiah in that. And they could not be saved in that way. No way. Because they have to, first of all, they've got to kind of be able to see that there is a Messiah that is Jewish, 
that really loves them and that is not connected with the same Jesus Christ on which the you know the Christians have been burning us alive or expelling us from our land. So the Jewish people rejected Martin Luther's advances for evangelism. And Martin Luther became so angry with them and so bitter with them that when you read his book, if I just quote one little point of, of this book, it's horrifying. But if you read the entire book, he calls the Jews terrible names. I mean, derogatory names. And then he says, and, and on top of it, I'm going to give you a solution for this devilish burden called the Jews. And then he begins to literally, point by point, mention what Hitler lately later would follow as the final solution. And let me tell you how this is totally connected with what's happening right now in Israel with this terrible Hamas massacre. Because we could say, well, that's Islam. That's not Christianity. But we need to realize that the Palestinian cause is a fusion between East and West. And I'm going to explain this. It's very important because they, uh, when, when Haj Amin al-Husseini, that he was a very close relative from Yasser Arafat. And, um, and he, that was the head of the PLO for so many years, a known terrorist that received a Nobel Prize. God help us if you can give a Nobel Prize to somebody like that. But uh, I, I can tell you that when he went to meet Hitler, that was the East. And Hitler was the West. And when they accorded together to execute the final solution from within the land of Israel, called the Palestinian cause, that eventually out of it came the PLO, the Fatah, and all the way to Islamic Jihad, Al-Qaeda, Taliban, Hezbollah, uh, the Muslim Brotherhood, Hamas, and, and Fatah, and everything else, then we are dealing with a fusion between East and West. And, and Hitler is said to, know, to, to have said that, that he was just simply fulfilling the wishes of the greatest antisemite of all times, uh, the great church reformer, Martin Luther. Exactly. Ladies and gentlemen, again, you're listening to Archbishop Dominica Behrman in her latest must-read, The Voice of These Ashes, Restitution or Judgment, a great must-read, my view, so much to cover, and we're running out of time. Um, we read in Genesis 12:3, and I quote, I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who curse you, meaning Israel and her people. What are some examples of doing just that, blessing the people of Israel, as you've shared in your latest eye-opening read, The Voice of These Ashes, that you can share? Yes. Um, uh, well, actually, if, uh, if we go to the Bible, we can see here that, for example, Moab was an accursed nation because they didn't help the Jewish well, Israel in the desert, and that Deuteronomy 23 tells us about it. And out of it comes a woman by the name of Ruth that actually uh, puts her faith together with a very bereaved woman by the name of Naomi, that was her mother-in-law, her mother-in-love in this case, really. And, and she follows her to Judah, to Bethlehem of Judah, and because of her stand with that Jew, the entire curse of the Moabites is overturned in her, and she becomes actually the a grandmother of King David and the great, 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 great grandmother of King Yeshua. And so we can see here how that key, I call it the key of Abraham, of I will bless those who bless you, functions in her case, how it functioned in Rahab that helped the spies when they came and they totally destroyed Jericho, but Rahab and her family, and she married into the family of Judah. 
And, and we can see that in Cornelius. You can see how Cornelius was helping in, in, in Acts chapter 10. He was helping the Jewish people against the Lord, against the Roman Empire. He was a centurion, a, a, an army man. And yet he was helping them. He was sending alms to the synagogue. And he was praying to the God of Israel, even though he was still a pagan, and prayed to the other gods. And he was the first Gentile that was visited by Peter and became the gate of salvation for all of the Gentiles in the world, again using the key of Abraham. So the key of Abraham, which is Genesis 12-3, has opened the door for salvation of all the nations. It wasn't direct. It had to be that way. Because when he says, I will bless those who bless you, he says, technically, I will bow down. In Hebrew, the word me, the bearer. I will bow down before those that bow down their knees to honor, to favor, to bless Israel. But then he says, I will curse those who curse you, which is two uh, Hebrew words. And one of them says, I will utter a word of complete destruction, me'era, or complete annihilation, to those that take you lightly, like you would take lightly a father or a mother, or dishonor a father or a mother, let alone murder that father or that mother, because Israel is the mother of the nations. I want to give you one more example of the side of the curse in this case. Uh, the British Empire, you know, it, it, there, there, there used to be a saying that the sun never set over the British Empire. And that was, was so vast, so amazing. But do you realize that right after uh, the Second World War, Britain loses its empire? And now we call it the UK, not anymore the Great Britain or the British Empire. Right. What happened? It's because there was a violation. And the, the, at the time, even though there were many good Christians and that that helped, but I can tell you that as a nation, Britain actually uh, closed the doors of the then called Palestine because the Romans had changed the name uh, to the ancient Philistines, and they call it Palestine, to the land of Israel before the people escaping from the horrors of the Nazi Shoah, the Nazi Holocaust. And so they closed the doors. They broke that agreement that was called the Declaration, the Balfour Declaration in 1917, given by the, the, the Crown of England about the Jewish national home. They actually gave two thirds of the land promised to the Jews to another nation that was invented by them, created by them called Jordan, and they lost the empire. And that is a typical, typical happening. And I, I've said it in the US many times. Unless the United States rises up seriously to make restitution in this sense, because often we've had a situation with the U.S., and right now I'm ecstatic that there are more and more people waking up, but at the same time, there is also an escalation of 338% of anti-Semitism in the U.S. in the last two weeks. Exactly. Ladies and gentlemen, again, you're listening to Archbishop Dominique Behrman from Jerusalem, Israel, on her latest must-read, The Voice of These Ashes. Uh, Archbishop, there are those who would contend, as Christians, we live under a new covenant, New Testament, and therefore, through repentance, God's forgiveness and grace, we are now clean, born again, Though our sins were once as scarlet, they are now white as snow. Fresh start. But you say concerning Israel, this may not be enough. Why? This may not be enough. No, let me explain something here. When it comes to our personal sins and our own forgiveness from sins, Yeshua and the blood of Yeshua is enough and it's forever enough. But when it comes 
to issues that are between man and man. We need to realize that restitution is needed. Let me give you an example. If, for example, a person murdered another person, and uh, because we have an extensive prison ministry in the U.S., we have uh, different uh, about 20 facilities when my Bible school is in, in all of them. And, and so we, we are in maximum security facilities. We are even in death rows. And, and, and I can tell you that I meet them, okay? We know the, the, the people that have murdered someone or have raped someone. And, uh, and, and let's say they get saved, and we have a lot of them, that they get saved and they accept Yeshua and they give their life to Yeshua and they absolutely repent, okay? And they want to live for him and they want to do their best for him. And yet they are still in prison. Why are they still in prison? Because they murdered someone. And so even though they obtain forgiveness from God, they have not yet obtained forgiveness from society. And for that, there is restitution. And one way of restitution is actually their prison sentence and things like that. Uh, of course, we pray that all of those that are genuine, really genuine, and can be restored to society will be released back to society. And we have you know, a way to help them even to be able to stay connected and things like that. But the thing is that what you did against a human being, it requires an extra thing. It's called restitution. And the Bible talks a lot about restitution, both Second Samuel 21 with King David that had to make restitution for the sins committed by King Saul. And, and, and then, uh, and, and, I mean, God loved David, but still he had to pay. Uh, the whole nation was paying with the terrible drought because of that. And then we have situations where if you steal uh, something that belongs to someone, you need to repay, you know, twice and sometimes even seven times back. Uh, and all of that is called restitution. And we need to realize that the blood of Israel cleanses us from our sins. But in order to make do the right thing concerning people we have wronged, we need to make restitution. Ladies and gentlemen, again, Archbishop Dominique Behrman, her latest must read, The Voice of These Ashes. Last question slash request. Archbishop Behrman, would you lead our audience in a prayer of repentance for all those who wish to clean themselves of any anti-Semitism, known or unknown, and for 10 generations back, which you speak about in your book, as we all stand with Israel and pray for the peace of Jerusalem, her healing, restoration, and restitution. Archbishop Dominique. Sure, I will pray. And I also will encourage every one of you not to just pray with me, but also take action. And today we're given the possibility of taking action. And actually seeds of restitution are needed at this time. So it's very important to take action. There's an opportunity here to do that in a practical way. Amen. So, um, Father... I just thank you tonight for this wonderful, well, tonight is tonight in Israel, but for this very powerful time with Jensen, Lord, and for her anointing to be able to lead a conversation that, that is at the time of great distress in Israel and in her sensitivity. And Abba, Father in heaven, uh, I would like today to help for you to help the people that are listening to us because there is anti-Semitism in most Christian families all the way back uh, to three generations or four or five or six because of the doctrine, because of the theologies that were never contested then. 
from so many theologians and and so Abba Shabashamayim, Father in heaven, I pray that right now you will help touch this heart. Everyone that is listening to me at this point, touch this heart. And in the name of Yeshua, help them to come into that Teshuvah, into that repentance, a complete repentance from any kind of evil thinking or evil doing even in their families up to the 10th generation concerning the Jewish people and even concerning Israel and even uh, being pro-Palestinian without understanding that that is actually being pro-final solution and they do not understand that. And I pray that today mm. it will come into their hearts and they will be able to understand that in Yeshua's name. So I'm going to pray. Just pray with me. Say, Father in heaven, thank you for enlightening me today. Thank you for your truth that has come through this conversation that can make me free. Free even from generational hatred, anti-Semitism, or bias against the Jewish people, and even against Israel as a nation. And today I understand that I need to repent of this. And therefore, I decide today with my own free will to say, I repent of this. I reject it. I renounce any hatred, any dishonor, any disrespect, any bias against the Jewish people and the nation of Israel, and even any pride or any arrogance. And I also ask your forgiveness for any kind of sins committed by my ancestors in the past. I may not know those things, but you know them, and they are affecting our families today. And in the name of Yeshua, in the name of Yeshua, I ask your forgiveness for that. And I pray, Abba Sebastian, my Father in heaven, that you listen to my prayer, you accept my repentance, and that this generational curses of anti-Semitism will be broken of my family, and even anti-Zionism in Yeshua's name, and broken of my life, and broken of my community, and broken of my church, in Yeshua's mighty name. Amen. Amen and amen. Powerful. Ladies and gentlemen, you have been listening to internationally recognized Messianic Apostle, Prophet, Evangelist, Global Revivalist, and the world's first female Jewish Archbishop, Dr. Dominique Behrman, founder and president of Kadesh Map Ministries, the United Nations for Israel, and Global Revival Map Bible School, as well as prolific author. Her latest just released, The Voice of these ashes, restitution or judgment. You can learn more about Archbishop Behrman's work, ministry, and mission by visiting unitednationsforisrael.org and get her book, The Voice of These Ashes, at zionsgospel.com. You will be riveted, challenged, but most of all, blessed that you did. Archbishop Behrman Dominique, as always, Thank you for taking precious time to share your heart, your life, your ministry, and your mission despite opposition, peril, and hardship at this crucial time in history and from the land of the Bible, now war-torn Israel, and your efforts there to bring relief and hope and so much more. Your latest sobering read, The Voice of These Ashes, is a clarion wake-up call for us all to search our hearts 
our minds and our souls to see, quote, if there be any wicked way in me, and then repent, help restore, and be the face of grace to a people in need of a Savior, first to the Jew, as the scriptures declare, and then all nations, ethnicities, color, and creed, Yeshua be praised, which you have done and continue to do, and beautifully and miraculously so. We thank you, we honor you, and God bless and protect you. Shalom. Thank you so much, and team. Thank you. You've been, uh, you've always been such an amazing friend, and, uh, and and you're so sensitive to the whole situation. God bless you for the anointing in your life, and your willingness to do willingness to do this. I would like to finish with a shofar blow and a call to restitution today, and that all the listeners will remember, please, that this is a great opportunity to help Israel in the time of our greatest need. Uh, may I just blow the shofar? Yes, please. Testimony is a global broadcast made possible by the generous contributions of our valued partners at Jensine Bard Ministries and you, our listening audience. Together, we are reaching souls for Christ, one testimony at a time. If you would like information on how you can support this broadcast with your tax-deductible gift, please visit us at jensinebard.com. That's one word, J-E-N-S-I-N-E-B-A-R-D dot com. And join the conversation at our Facebook page, Testimony with Jensine Bard. Thank you for listening, and please join us again for Testimony. Testimony.